0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. And good morning and welcome to Mornings with the Coach. Coach John Canterra with you from now until 9 o'clock. I hope everyone uh, up and uh, ready to roll on a Thursday. Of course, we got the NFL draft tonight. Looking forward to that. I would imagine there's a lot of people out there that have an opinion on the NFL draft, uh, we're going to be hosting our NFL uh, get-together uh, down here at 97.3 The Fan. You can go to our Facebook page tonight at 5 o'clock, and we will uh, give you a full draft coverage throughout the course of the first round. Of course, the uh, draft uh, runs uh, today, tomorrow, and on uh, Saturday as well. But uh, we'll get the first round to you tonight. Again, go to our Facebook page, 97.3 The Fan. Uh Call-in number today because we want to get phone calls. If you were at the Padre game yesterday, man, Chris Paddock was unbelievable. Unbelievable. That ball was coming out of his hand with electricity on it yesterday. And what was interesting was that Chris Paddock showed up to the ballpark last night after only sleeping a couple of hours and didn't feel very well. Had flu-like symptoms. And he went out there and uh, threw a heck of a ball game. Padres get the home run from Ian Kinsler, win the ball game one to nothing. Kinsler's uh, second homer of the year, his second RBI of the year, still uh, hitting you know under one sixty. But yesterday, able to pull that ball over the wall off of Felix Hernandez, who also pitched a heck of a ball game yesterday. Uh, as an announcer would say, he deserved better fate. But Chris Paddock yesterday, absolutely brilliant. It looked like the crowd had a great time. The Padres ended it with that thrilling double play. Ball up the middle. Fernando Tatis Jr. fielding a tag in the bag, throwing to Eric Hosmer. Boom, the ball game was over. Padres now after dropping six straight of one three straight. They're 14-11, and 11, and they're a half game back at the L.A. Dodgers. Who got beat again last night. Uh, in Chicago, the Padres off today. They're uh, winging their way to Washington. Get ready for a uh, game one of a three game series tomorrow night uh, against the Washington Nationals. And of course, we'll have the pregame show for you tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. Uh, the matchup uh, tomorrow night will be Matt Strom going against uh, three time Cy Young Award winner uh, Max Scherzer. The other uh, uh, matchups, uh, well, the other pitchers for Washington in the series will be Strasburg's going on. Uh, Saturday, and Jeremy Hellickson, more of a soft tosser, going on uh, Sunday against the Padres. Then the Padres will move into Atlanta Monday through Thursday. They'll be back uh, a week from tomorrow to open up a three-game set against the Los Angeles Dodgers. But I want to hear from you folks, uh, whether you listen to it, Watched it, went to it. Want to get your thoughts on the performance by Chris Paddock yesterday. When you look at Chris's numbers overall, seven innings, one hit, one walk, nine strikeouts. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he pitched his way out of that first inning bases loaded jam, went on to retire the final 19 batters he faced. In the bullpen again yesterday, Trey Wingender. And we're going to have Andy Green on tomorrow on our Friar Fridays. Andy will join us from Washington. I want to talk to him about Trey Wingenter because it looks like, because Stammon is a guy that can go a couple of innings, they like to bring Craig in, whether it be sometimes in the 6th or the 7th or 8th, uh, it looks like Wingenter right now doing a pretty good job to maybe lock down that 8th inning uh, spot. And then Kirby H. yesterday went out and uh, closed it out, gave up uh, one scratch single in the ninth inning. But uh, they turned that double play, he picks up his 12th save of the year, he leads all of Major League Baseball. Uh, uh, Tatis Jr. extended his hitting streak to 12 games, he got that little bloop double in the third inning. And, uh, you know, prior to the game, and, you know, we've been talking a lot, really, since early in the week about Ty France and what he's doing down there at AAA El Paso, hitting 423 with nine homers, 28 RBIs. Well, right after we got off the air, I was running around the station here a little bit yesterday, talking to uh, a few people. And all of a sudden, boom, I find out Ty Francis coming up. Uh, Jose Perella, uh, who we didn't really see a whole lot since he got called up, he got a little work over the weekend. He was placed on the 10-day I.O. with a strained muscle on his left side, probably an oblique more than anything else, but Ty France, a recall from Triple A El Paso, and uh, we're going to hear more uh, on Andy Green here uh, in this half hour regarding Ty France and how he's going to be uh, used uh, in this role. I'm really anxious tomorrow to talk to Andy Green because there's a lot of things, there's always a lot of things to talk to a major league manager about. I mean, we can talk about Number one, Luis Urias, who's now down in AAA. You know, what Andy's thoughts were, what they wanted to work, have him work on when he went back to El Paso. We'll talk to him more about Ty France. We'll, we'll talk to him about, obviously, Chris Paddock. You know, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night to see Matt Strom pitch, because Strom, is last in a career-high eight innings. Uh Padres ended up losing that game in extra innings to the Cincinnati Reds, but Matt Strom really threw a heck of a ball game, and he's going to be matched up against Max Scherzer tomorrow night. And Scherzer hadn't pitched well this year. His ERA is over four. Uh, he's got a one-and-three record. And you know, he's a guy that normally goes deep into ball games, but, you know, so far, uh, Scherzer's numbers are not all that good. So I'm anxious to see how Scherzer, uh, and Strom hook up tomorrow night. And I'm really anxious to see if Strom can follow up that his best performance really in the big leagues, uh, last time out against Cincinnati Reds. I'm really anxious to see if he can follow that up with another uh, quality start. This Padre uh, pitching staff, uh, granted, they're young, uh, and very inexperienced aside from Strom at the major league level. But they're, uh, they're performing pretty well. And, uh, you know, um, Margavich has been fantastic. Been absolutely fantastic. For a kid that came out of A-ball, basically. had one game above A-ball. Last year he pitched a game in the Texas League playoffs, which is double A. He has a good spring training. He makes it. Probably He was probably surprised that he made it. But he's pitched really, really well. And then Paddock, let's face it. Anybody that watched Paddock yesterday... You saw a guy that the, has the makings of being a star, and I mean a star. You know one of the things that uh, I spent a lot of my time at in college and even in high school and working with guys getting ready to go to spring training is working with pitchers. Even though I always enjoyed working with hitters, uh, I've, I've, I was kind of thrown into that uh, early in my coaching career to learn how to work with pitchers. And when I watch a guy like Chris Paddock, number one, he can repeat his delivery. Number two, the ball comes out of his hand really clean. And you know this guy throws ninety six miles an hour. Yesterday he threw. I, I counted ten breaking balls that he threw. He's getting better with that that curveball. And the thing that I like about him with that curveball, he changes speeds off of it. His changeup is ridiculous. He blew down D Gordon yesterday. D Gordon, I know, was looking for that changeup because when uh, Paddock threw him a ninety five mile an hour fastball on the outside part of the plate, uh, D Gordon uh, it was already in uh, Francisco Mejia's uh, glove because he was guessing it was going to be a changeup, and it ended up being a uh, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Chris Paddock, I want to get your thoughts on him today. Uh, Again, we got the NFL draft, and I don't know what's going to go on uh, in this NFL draft tonight. I think, for me, the three best players in this draft, and this is me, and you may uh, throw a, a bucket of cold water on me on this, and you can give me a call. We can talk a lot about the NFL draft. I think Quentin Williams, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, would probably be my number one guy just because you got to build from within. In the middle of that defensive line is so important to, to, to push back into the face of the quarterback to allow your defensive ends to get to the quarterback. Don't let that quarterback step up in the pocket. Quentin Williams, I think, He's an agile guy for three hundred plus pounds. He's tough. He can play the run. He can. Uh, he's got some pretty decent moves to where he's not going to have a, be a big sack guy. But he's a guy that you know I think eventually will you know get a few sacks in the NFL. But more than anything else, he's going to be able to control the middle of that uh, defensive line to where people aren't going to be pushing him around. I think he's the number one guy. I think Bosa, I think uh, Nick Bosa is a real safe pick out of Ohio State. Now, he's also a guy, he's a defensive end. You could move him inside a little bit. He's very flexible. He's a great athlete. And, you know, you just hope that he's able to hold up uh, physically. I think Bosa and the 49ers may take him. We'll, we'll see what happens with Arizona. And by the way, we got Kent Summers from the Arizona Republic coming on the program this morning. And he'll be able to uh, shed some light a little bit on what the Cardinals are thinking. Kent Summers has been doing it a long time. got some great contacts over there uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. So we've got uh, Kent coming up shortly after 8 o'clock this morning on the program. But, you know, going back to San Francisco, you know, depending on what happens, they could take, uh, Quentin Williams. If he doesn't go number one overall, they could take Bosa. In fact, I think they will take Bosa with the second overall pick. Uh, cause I don't know if Quentin Williams will be there at number two. I think the Cardinals may go that direction. Cardinals could go in a variety of different directions. They were a three and 13 football team last year. They fired their head coach, Steve Wilkes, after one year. I mean, it was a total disaster over there. You can talk about Josh Rosen all you want, but there's so many holes in that roster right now for the Arizona Cardinals. They could go a variety of different ways. And I'll be honest with you, and I said this the other day, I really believe if Josh Rosen was in this draft, he would be the best quarterback, and he might be the number one overall pick this year. He was number one pick last year, but he wasn't the number one overall pick last year. And I don't know... I don't know how you would be Steve Keim, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know how – and Cliff Kingsbury, the new head coach, who's never coached a down in the NFL, a guy who had a 35-40 and 40 record at Texas Tech, get your guns up. He always had a great offense, could never build a defense. How do you go to ownership and say, you know what, we really want to go after Kyler Murray? And the owners, the Bidwell family – Michael Bidwell, who uh, runs the ball club over there, is the owner, taking over for his dad, Billy Bidwell. He'd say, well, what did we do last year? We took a quarterback last year and gave him a ton of money, and it didn't work. I don't know if I was the general manager that I could trudge down the hall to the owner's office and try to sell him on another quarterback when I sold him on a quarterback last year. And I think that the, for me the third best player in this draft is the kid out of Kentucky, Josh Allen. Now, the thing with Allen, you know, Quinton Williams is going to be a great player. And he's going to be an all-pro, and he's going to go to the Pro Bowl year in and year out after he gets his feet on the ground. Bose has got a chance to be a great player as well. Uh, more of a safer pick than maybe a Josh Allen. But Josh Allen, I think he's got a very high ceiling, but I don't know if he's a slam dunk, a star in, in the National Football League. I do think he has upside, but I also think he may have a ceiling as well. He may be a very much a one-dimensional player. We're going to have to find out. He played outside linebacker, Kentucky, very disruptive force in the SEC, could play probably with his hand on the ground as a defensive end in certain situations, but we're going to talk a lot about the NFL draft, and again, I want to hear from you this morning, 833-288-0973, 833 288 Oh, nine, seven, three, Dodgers get beaten Chicago. Angels drop a game to the Yankees last night, six to five. We can talk about that fabulous hockey game. I don't know how many of you, uh, paid attention to it last night, but game seven in the Eastern Conference first round, the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, won in double overtime last night. Uh, Brock McGinn, uh, the game winner, eleven oh five into the second overtime eliminates the Stanley Cup uh, champions from a year ago, the Washington Capitals, four to three. Hurricanes came back from a three one deficit last night in Game Seven. It was also the third longest Game Seven in NHL history. And what's interesting, this is the first time in NHL history that all four division winners were eliminated in the first round: Tampa Bay, Washington, Nashville. And Calgary. Tonight we got uh, game one in the Eastern Conference. Second round, we got the Columbus Blue Jackets going to Boston. And uh, out west, we've got the Dallas Stars. Traveling to the St. Louis Blues. so we got a little hockey for you. Uh, last night, Houston eliminated uh, Utah 100-93. Rockets win that series four games to one. James Harden, 26 points. Clint Capella, good-looking player, 16 points. Chris Paul had 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists. Donovan Mitchell. Huh, man, you talk about having to go into the offseason, shaking yourself a little bit. Donovan Mitchell is a heck of a player for the Utah Jazz. He's been an all-star Last night, Donovan Mitchell held the 12 points. How about this shooting night? Four for 22, and he was 0 for 9 on three pointers. Out west last night, what a marvelous ball game by the LA Clippers as they stay alive, winning game five last night, 129 to 121. Clippers led 71 to 63 at halftime. Tomorrow night, game six at Staples Center.
2: Here's the 0 2. Out in front, straight three. Went back to the changeup and it's a dandy. Gordon saw it up there in Seattle in an exhibition. Well, by God, you just saw it again. I'm talking about way out in front. That's the young man growing up, getting out of the division. Basically loaded jam here with walk single hit batsman and the Mariners lead three.
1: Well, Ted Leitner on the call uh, yesterday afternoon out of Petco Park. You know, that was a heck of a baseball game yesterday. I know there wasn't a lot of hitting going on. Padres had four hits. Uh, they get the homer from Kinsler. Uh, the uh, Mariners had uh, two hits in the ball game yesterday. And uh, both pitchers were really on their game. I- I'll tell you what, you got to give Felix Hernandez a lot of credit. You know, there was talk uh, during spring training that he may not even be in the rotation this year because he had such a miserable season a year ago. In fact... At one point last year, they removed him from the rotation and had him work uh, for a short period of time out of the bullpen. He doesn't throw 95 or 96 like he once did. He throws 89, maybe touches 91 occasionally, but he is really uh, – a. Uh, you know, reinvented himself as they like to say. A lot of breaking ball, sliders, curveballs, changeups. I thought he threw a heck of a ball game yesterday. And again, the Padres really not hitting all that well. He got the homer from from Ian yesterday. By the way, it's two hundred fiftieth career home run. Congratulations to him. That's a that's a tremendous feat. Not not all that many people have hit two hundred and fifty home runs that have played uh, their entire career as second baseman. So congratulations to Ian Kinsler. They get the uh, bloop double. From uh, Tatis Junior. and boy, he hustled in the second. But every time he slides head first, I just hold my breath. And I know he, on that one hand, he wears that mitt uh, like an oven mitt uh, because last year, you recall, he would have. May, well, maybe he wouldn't have got called up. We were, I think, we were all kind of hoping he would get called up last year when they called up Urias, and then Urias ended up getting hurt with that hamstring injury. But every time he slides. I I just hold my breath because he tore that thumb up uh, at the end of the last year down in Double A ball. But uh, I'm glad he wears that mitt and uh, that game ending double play yesterday. That was beautiful. What a way to end a ball game. What a way to end a home stand. Padres, you know they dropped their first five games on that home stand of an eight game home stand. Then they come back and they play really good ball the last three days. And I would ask you fans this morning. You know, we've gone back and forth. I don't know if this team can be a, a 500 ball club. I don't know if they can be a winning ball club this year. You know, it's going to depend really on the pitching. Really going to depend on the pitching. And, you know, but man, you see signs of this team really, really being good. I mean, defensively, one of the better uh, Padre teams uh, in history right now, as far as the infield's the best in Padre history, the outfield. I don't think they're a great defensive outfield. I don't think they're awful. I think they're you know average, maybe uh, a little below average, but not awful. They really aren't. I always say when people say, "Well, a guy can't play left field," hey, I watched Greg Luzinski for a long time with the Philadelphia Phillies, and yeah, he had, he had a range of about three feet either way. And the Padre players are a lot more athletic than a guy like Greg Luzinski. So I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, Fran Reyes two nights ago, hit those two home runs. The one guy that's really slowed down lately has been Hunter Renfro. We haven't heard a lot about Hunter Renfro lately. Uh, Will Myers still doing a good job. Manny Margot doing a nice job. So, you know, they're getting contributions offensively. Uh, And, again, it comes back to the pitching staff. We know the relief corps is really, really good here. But uh, it's going to come down to that starting pitching. And speaking of starting pitching, yesterday Chris Paddock, after the ball game, uh, was uh, with the uh, media after the ball game talking about this performance. And again, he showed up to the ballpark yesterday morning not feeling all that well. Here's Chris Paddock after yesterday's one nothing victory.
3: Yeah, I just you know woke up this morning and felt like I had a little fever going on, body was aching, uh, came in early to get some, you know, get all that stuff taken care of, and just, you know, I kind of looked in the past of that, didn't really let that affect me. I think it actually made me, help me focus a little more just because I knew that my body wasn't 100%, uh, you know, but after that first inning, it was, everything was the same. And that first inning, very unpanicked, like with a four pitch walk to start things off, what was going on, how'd you get yourself locked back in? Yeah, just, you know, kind of those first four pitches kind of scattered around a little bit. Um, You know, after that first out of the inning, we got back down with him with Mejia. Um, And then from there on, Nothing but good things. It looked like you had everything working at go Confident with all your repertoire. Absolutely, especially the curveball. You know, showing them that I can throw with two strikes ahead in the count. One, one. You know, there were multiple times to where just just getting guys out front, whether they fouled it off. You know, for me, that that sets up my fastball, sets up my changeup. Um, uh, you know, first time throwing in the this year, um, besides spring, you know, he did a great job behind the plate tonight. Uh, runners on second base, we had a little miscommunication there, but we got back focused and dialed in. It's a good there. I mean, they've been really
0: good offensively. Can you make this any more sweeter for you?
3: Um, for me, I was going into it. It's kind of where it all started for me. Uh, you know, I got the, uh, news that I was getting called up and I made the team in Seattle. Um. You know, I got to face their uh, minor league system. You know, towards that last few weeks of spring, so I knew some of the hitters. Um, that's always a plus going into it. You know, knowing how to get guys out. But like I said, just um, Kenzer with the awesome home run to get us back, you know, on top, and you know, great job for Trey and, and Kirby to come in and shut the door behind. Me.
4: Knowing that you weren't feeling your best and you still went out there and you had such a good start, does that do something for you?
3: Um, I just kind of, you know, I tried not to let that affect me. I knew I wasn't a hundred percent, body was aching, felt like I had a fever. They tested and I didn't have a fever. So that kind of gave me that confidence to kind of, okay, nothing's really, you know, nothing's really happening here. Um, just didn't really get quality sleep last night. Quick turnaround as well. Um, you know, it's pretty hard on the body to go from get home at 11 o'clock at night and then, you know, you're waking up at eight and knowing you're on the mound, but, um, you know, Clyde, we got to beat the Mariners here at home. Now we have a six-, seven-day road trip.
5: Chris, now that you have five starts under your belt, how happy are you with how you're performing?
3: Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, now I get to uh, pick on Nick a little bit now that I got my <laughs> first win. Uh, you know, but it, all these group of guys in here, man, it's uh, we want to win. It's a special group, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. You place picked out for that first win, ball. I do. Um you know, I don't know exactly where it's going to go yet, but um, eventually, you know, for the, hopefully the next 20 years, I'm going to have a lot of uh, awards and stuff that I can kind of get get built up in my main cave, hopefully.
4: So, <laughs> hey Chris, is there one moment from that your first career win that you'll remember? You think more than the others? Is it facing a certain hitter, working out of jam? Is there one moment from this game you think stands just stands out to you? Uh,
3: absolutely. Um, this is my first time going seven innings in my whole professional baseball career. And I got the, my first win out of the way, you know, couldn't road it up any better. Um, you know, like I said, after that first inning, you know, bases loaded jam, we got out of it, and then we were cruising. You know, 19 in a row, um, you know, that I got out. And like I said, Trey and, and Kirby came in and shut the door.
0: <clears throat>
3: What's that? That was uh, that was special, um, kind of you know growing up as a younger kid, you know he has the name the king for a reason. It was cool going into this game. I, you know, I told myself that you know this is a new generation. You know, let me show the world that why can't I beat him? You know, and that's that was pretty cool. Something me and my brother talked about going into the game, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we uh, I got I got him this time.
1: Well, like they like to say down there at uh, Petco Park, there's a new sheriff in town. Uh, he uh, pitched a heck of a ball game yesterday, Chris Paddock, and uh, uh, I think as uh, long as he can stay healthy, as long as he stays healthy, you can say that about a lot of pitchers, uh, this young man going to have a very, very nice uh, major league career. I want to give you our lineup card. I mentioned Kent Summers going to join us at 8.05 we got some great guests today. We're going to replay uh, coming up after the bottom of the hour that interview I did yesterday with Bill Center from Padres.com and Friar Wire. a lot of good uh, Padre info in that. Coming up at 7.40, and he'll be part of our draft coverage tonight, a great guy. I remember meeting Quinn Early back in the late 80s when he was a third-round draft pick of the San Diego Chargers in 1988. Uh, Quinn Early will join us about 7.40 this morning, and again, he will be on our uh, Facebook Live uh, NFL Draft game. Get together tonight at 5 o'clock. And another guy going to be on that uh, show tonight, uh, my buddy J.R. Tolver, the former great star at San Diego State, spent some time in the NFL. Uh, we'll have Jr. on the program tonight as well. But Quinn Early coming up at 740. Kent Summers at 805. And then another great guy. And you all remember him uh Fun Loving Heath Bell the former closer for the San Diego Padres Heath'll uh, uh stop by and visit with us a little bit this morning again we're to your phone calls our uh, phone number is 833-288-0973 833-288-0973 I got to tell you uh, uh yesterday uh, our Mount Rushmore uh who are the the top 4 people that belong on a San Diego sports uh, Mount Rushmore of a uh, college uh, players or coaches or pro players and coaches, I'm still getting people chiming in on this. Uh, last night, a gentleman uh, chimed in and said, Coach, how about Ron Newman, the great coach of the San Diego Soccers and everything he did for not only indoor soccer but outdoor soccer here in San Diego? Ron Newman just uh, passed away here a few months ago. He won uh, 10 indoor titles with the San Diego Soccers in 11 seasons. and I'm fortunate enough to have met him and... Uh, I got to know him a little bit uh, when I was the general manager of the San Diego Sockers. Yesterday, and we've been talking about it for a few days, I I gave you the stats earlier this week regarding uh, uh, Ty France down in uh, AAA and how he was tearing it up, hitting four twenty-three with nine homers, 28 RBIs, a five hundred on base percentage. Well, uh, when they called him up and they put Jose Perella on the injured list, Andy Green was uh, asked about... Uh, Tie France a little bit and uh, here's Andy's comments
5: yeah he's here uh, ready to play baseball <laughs> flew in this morning uh, Jose Perella pulled an oblique uh, kind of tried to play through it, and, uh, it was really bothering him yesterday he wasn't available off the bench yesterday we knew we were going to make a roster move and Ty's uh, most obvious choice for us right now he's done really well in AAA uh, he's been crushing baseballs. so uh, and you will know, be a bat off the bench primarily for us. Uh, there'll be some opportunity to get him some starts here and there as long as he's here, uh, and we'll see what the role evolves into. I think as we look at him at other positions, very limited exposure at second base, uh, You know, very limited exposure in the outfield. Uh, and we'll we'll kind of look at him around and drill work and see how comfortable we are in those spots and you know he can play the corners, obviously. And uh, when we look up and look at the schedule, we'll find some opportunities to get him out there.
1: Yeah, for you uh, that aren't aware of Ty France, Ty France the kid that played at, at San Diego State. He was recruited and coached by Tony Gwynn. He's worked his way up through the minor leagues and, and really produced at uh, every level. I think the only uh, uh, stumbling part uh, maybe for Ty, even though he got promoted from Fort Wayne to Lake Elsinore a few years ago, didn't hit all that well in, in low A-ball, but then all of a sudden he got to Elsinore, uh, felt a lot more comfortable and uh, did a great job there, did a great job at San Antonio and off to a great start this year. Andy was asked about Ty France's production down in the minor leagues.
5: It's just quality at-bats. Good grind to the at-bats. Obviously, he's got some power and both hard for us in spring training, and we've watched a ton of his at-bats and spoken to guys who are at the minor leagues, and uh, they've been really professional at-bats. Been Really good. Uh, power through the middle of the ballpark, and you know, he's you know, put together good at-bat after good at-bat to start the season. You don't put those kind of numbers up if you haven't.
1: And Andy was also asked about Ty France playing a little bit there at second base. And, of course, Andy Green knows a lot about that because that was his position along with shortstop. Being a middle infielder definitely has some thoughts on Ty playing second base.
5: We'll find out. I mean, he says he feels comfortable there. Uh, we'll find out in time. That's not mission one for us going into Washington to find out how quickly we can expose him to that. There'll be some drill work here with Damien. some other guys. We'll talk to our guys in minor leagues and find out. Uh how well that transition's been for him it's new exposure to the position he's not coming up here to be the primary second baseman by any stretch right now he's coming up here to be a bat off the bench uh hopefully have an opportunity to drive in some big runs for us uh, we've seen bench production be really pivotal for our early season success so far this year and uh, he's a guy that you know, we can reach for on the bench and feel confident he'll give us a quality at bat
1: Well, uh, that's Andy Green talking about the former Aztec, Aztec for life, uh, Ty France. Didn't get in the game yesterday, but I'm sure that he's going to get an opportunity either tomorrow or Saturday to make his uh, Major League debut. I'm sure he'd love to have made it here at Petco Park in front of uh, friends and family. But you know what? He's in the big leagues. He's getting... uh, uh, big league salary, big league meal money, and uh, the opportunity to play on a big league diamond. So uh, we'll uh, definitely watch Ty France and his production. Want to get your thoughts. If you are at the game yesterday, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, give me a phone call this morning, 833 833 288 You know, I want to go back to uh, yesterday. Uh, by the way, tremendous, tremendous uh, outpouring of uh uh, knowledge that came through the phone lines yesterday. Not from me, but from you. You guys did a great job. I knew this would be fun But it was even more enjoyable because we had a lot of people step up to the plate yesterday on our Mount Rushmore of uh, sports figures here in San Diego. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I went to bed last night, ah, about 9.15, and then a ball player called me last night. And I was on the phone talking to him about his performance. Uh, He he calls and lets me know how he did that night. And my wife walked upstairs and goes, what are you doing? You're supposed to be asleep. I go, well, so-and-so called me and uh, wanted to tell me he got two hits tonight. And she goes, okay, well, get to Sleep now, so I wake up this morning, and I have a, a bunch of messages on my phone from people that either they were uh, tweets or emails, and people are still weighing in on the Mount Rushmore or San Diego sports figures. We all agreed yesterday. If you missed the show, we all agreed yesterday that Tony Gwynn and Junior say our salute slam dunks. I think Trevor Hoffman probably has a spot up there. I, I think uh, Trevor got tremendous support yesterday. Uh, after that, uh, we had a, a potpourri of uh, folks. I think Don Coryell, Bill Center, when we had our Spotlight segment, and Bill uh, chimed in on this yesterday, he talked about Don Coryell, Not only the impact that Coryell had on S- uh, San Diego Chargers football, but he saved the program at San Diego State. I remember as a child, hearing stories that San Diego State was going to do away with football because they were so bad. They were not very good like in the late 50s, and, and things were sputtering out of control, and they didn't have money, and uh, they were having a hard time getting players to go there. And then they brought Coriel in, and he you know, had that uh, amazing record. I'll, I'll look that up and share it with you here uh, shortly. He, he won 100 games at San Diego State and lost, like, I don't know, what, 18 or something like that. It was like some ridiculous uh, record. Uh, But as a kid growing up in San Diego, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed on Sundays, and Don Coriel would uh, go over to Channel 10, I think it was, and I can't remember the man. Maybe there's somebody out in the audience that can... Tell me who the man was that used to interview Coriel on the Don Coriel show every Sunday on Channel 10. And Coriel would be there, he'd have a black slacks on, he'd have a white shirt, short sleeve and a tie, and he would break down film. And that was a lot of fun. And that, that was really my first exposure to San Diego State football was the Don Coryell show on uh, Sunday because there were no games uh, for you young people out there. There were no games on television then. The only time the Aztecs were ever on TV is if they got to like the Camellia Bowl or something. And, and you you know in Northern California, and they'd put that game on television. They were never on TV during Don Coryell's era. And, and I think Coryell, what he did at San Diego State. What he did as a member uh, of the Charger organization, as the head coach, and that prolific offense he put together, I think he's very worthy of being on a a Mount Rushmore of sports figures here in San Diego. I thought it was interesting just a lot of the names we heard yesterday, and I'll go through a few of those right now. Ted Leitner, uh, everything he's brought to this city over the years, Mark Fisher, the son of uh, Steve Fisher, who Mark's been a long-time assistant out there and still lives with Brian Dutcher, Bobby Ross, led the Chargers to their only uh, Super Bowl appearance. Rodney Harrison. Rodney's a tough cat, man. I was a big fan of Rodney Harrison. Ladanian Tomlinson. You know, Tomlinson, I think, you know, he would be a guy that you'd have to consider. Uh, but I don't know if I'd put Tomlinson up uh, over a guy like Lance Allworth. Lance Allworth. Think about Lance Allworth. Lance Allworth Played here in San Diego. He was the uh, first uh, Charger to go in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but he was the first player from the American Football League, the old AFL. He was the first player to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, Jerry Coleman we talked about yesterday and everything he brought to Padre Baseball. Uh, the Padres may not have been very good a lot of those years, but you knew Jerry Coleman was always going to be calling that ball game. Archie Moore, the great fighter who fought out of San Diego. Uh, Ray Kroc, who saved the San Diego Padres. I mentioned Lance Allworth, Willie O'Ree, and what he meant not only to hockey here in San Diego, but what he meant to uh, uh, hockey uh, around the world. He was basically the Jackie Robinson of the NHL. Uh, Haven Moses and Gary Garrison, two great re- wide receivers who went on and had great careers in the National Football League. Steve Chirundolo, a national team soccer member, Phil Mickelson. Uh, we, we've we hit them all. We got a lot of them uh, yesterday on the program. <laughs> Pretty quick ball game yesterday at Petco Park. It's always good when you play it quickly and your team wins the ball game. Padres only mustered one run yesterday, courtesy Ian Kinsler, second homer of the year and number 250 of his career. We'll hear from Ian a little bit later on in the program on that great feed and what he thought about going against Felix Hernandez. You know, he's taken felix hernandez boards five times now uh in his career but right now as we do each and every day after a padre game at 6 20 and 8 20 we're going to give you the padres rewind
4: want to know what happened with the friars it's time for padres rewind he's hot he's hot
2: there's the oh two out in front strike three went back to the change and it's a dandy Gordon saw it up there in Seattle in an exhibition. Well, by God, he just saw it again. I'm talking about way out in front. That's the young man growing up, getting out of the, his bases loaded jam here with walk single hit batsman. And the Mariners leave three. This one is hit really well. Got a chance if it's fair, it's gone. Line drive, Western medals off the lower facade, lower suites. Oh, going gone for Ian Kinsler. He does hit him on a line drive. We saw it in the spring. We saw it here against the Giants. In the opening series on homestand number one, here on homestand number two, Kinsler's got number two, and the Padres have a one nothing lead. He's got one in the air down the right field corner, Fran Meal. Nice first step into foul territory. One hand grab. Two-thirds of the way toward the stands there. He's just getting better and better and better.
4: pitch, and Fernando lifts one in the air, very shallow left field. Beckham the shortstop going back, Santana coming in, Smith coming in, Santana slides and he can't make the catch. Tatis was running hard all the way, he ends up at second base, that'll be a good luck double, and that will be an extension of the hitting streak. Tatis now 12 in a row as he found the Bermuda Triangle out in shallow left center field.
2: The 2-1 on the way, swing of a high fly ball, deep left. Warning track. Going backwards now on that track, reversing direction, and Will Myers makes the grab. Oh my gosh! Missed it by half a centimeter, not a centimeter, because off the bat I thought it had a chance to go over the lowest part of this ballpark, that five foot wall on the left corner underneath the first overhang of the suites of the Western Medals. Just missed it. Kirby comes set, first pitch, ground ball, up the middle. Tatis, grab, steps on second, throws to first. This ball game belongs to my San Diego Padres. How about them boys?
4: That was your
1: Padres rewind
4: on ninety-seven-three. The fan.
1: Hope you enjoy the Padres rewind uh, again. Uh, Six twenty and eight twenty here on 97.3 The Fan. Going to get out to phone calls this morning. Anybody go to the game yesterday? It looked like they had a good crowd. I didn't see the attendance, but it looked like they had a great crowd yesterday. Padres playing some exciting baseball, sitting at 14-11, and 11, a half game back of the Dodgers. In fact, by the end of uh, this afternoon, the Padres could be tied for first place because the Dodgers uh, last night got beat by the Cubs, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, and they play again today. Dodgers have uh, dropped the first two games to the Cubbies there at the friendly confines. Today it's going to be right-hander Ross Stripling, one and one in a three-zero-seven going against the veteran left-hander John Lester, one and zero in a two-five-seven. Last night, uh, Dodgers got beat seven to six. Cody Bellinger, another big night. Boy, this guy, this guy's on fire. He's still hitting over four hundred. He's hitting four twenty-four right now. Bellinger two for three last night. His twelfth homer, uh, a two-run bomb, and Alex Verdugo who. I had some questions about it. I didn't know if I was going to think this guy could really get it done, but he's off to a really good start uh, for the Dodgers right now. He had his uh, fourth homer, a three-run jack last night. Walker Buehler, uh, not a great outing, five and two-thirds, four hits, uh, three earned runs, a couple of walks, a strikeout. Scott Alexander got nicked for the loss last night. A couple of three-run homers uh, for the Cubbies, Javier Baez his eighth homer of the year, and Jason Hayward, uh, his fifth. Again, uh, both of those were uh, three-run shots. The uh, Cubs now uh, starting to play a little bit better. They're sitting at 12-10, and 10, and the Dodgers, with the loss last night, sitting at 15-11. and 11. I know we have some Angel fans out there. You know, I don't know what to say about the Angels. You know, I mean, they're, I, I'm kind of perplexed about the Angels. 'Cause I every year I think, Oh yeah, they're gonna do better and they're gonna, you know, do this and that. I see the same ball club. I see the same ball club now that I've seen the last several years under Mike Sosha. Now the only difference is they got a new manager and a good guy, Brad Osmus. The Angels last night get beat by the Yankees six to five. DJ LeMahieu and RBI single in the top of the ninth. Angels now sitting at nine and sixteen on the year. You know, when I was a kid and before San Diego had uh, a major league ball club, uh, my dad used to take me up and watch the Angels play. So, you know, I was a big Jim Fergosi, Bobby Canop fan uh, back in those days, uh, Clyde Wright and Dean Chance and all those guys. In fact, the first major league game I ever saw was at Angels Stadium. It was a game, I think it ended up 2-1. to one. Uh, Angels uh, beat the Cleveland Indians that night. Leon Wagner was, like, playing for the Cleveland uh, Indians. Uh, Gary Bell was pitching, an old right-hander, it was a very good career. Uh, but, The Angels are just frustrating to me because you think they have talent, and they got the best player in the world right now, Mike Trout. I don't think anybody can argue that. I mean, he's the best player in the world, and the guy's been to the playoffs one time in his eight-year major league career. And I got news for you. They ain't going this year. They're not going this year at all. They, They just don't have the pitching. They just don't have the pitching. But watching the Angels is like watching paint dry. It really is. Because you kind of expect more. And they're just a very uh, blasé ball club. Because they just don't have enough pitching. Last night, Cole Calhoun, fifth homer, a three-run bomb. Andrelton Simmons, who when he came out of Atlanta, they said the guy couldn't hit. He was the best shortstop and probably is still the best shortstop uh, in baseball. He's got the gold gloves to prove it right now. Hit two home runs. Ever since he showed up in Anaheim, he's been a pretty good hitter. They said he couldn't hit there in Atlanta. And that's why they traded him. But if you're an Angel fan... Give me your thoughts. If you're a Dodger fan, love to hear from you. And, of course, I want to hear from you Padre fans. Uh, I want to get into the NFL draft. Uh, Again, we're going to have our NFL uh, draft get-together tonight on our Facebook page, 97.3, The Fan. Uh, That'll get underway at 5 o'clock. Uh, we got Jared Tolver, the former uh, star at San Diego State, wide receiver, played in the NFL. Quinn Early, who's going to join us at 740. He will be on the draft uh, program tonight. Rich Herrera, uh, Derek Togerson from uh, Channel 7, uh, they'll be a part of it, along with yours truly. So we'll look forward to bringing that to you, and I'm sure we'll be more than happy to take questions from you tonight uh, as well. Uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Jim Russell right now. And uh, uh, Jim, uh, you know, last night, the NBA... The Golden State Warriors at Oracle Arena, trying to close it, it out. I don't want to talk about it. Well, you know what? They still got another opportunity tomorrow night at Staples, though. They got to try to win it on the road. Well, I'll tell you, the Clippers are really giving them all they can handle right now.
4: What a great game! A at least my team's game. still playing. Sad. You're wearing a. Sh- what Sad. are you wearing? A Thunder shirt right now? Yeah. Hey, remember when da- Remember when Damian Lillard hit that shot in your freaking eye? You're a jerk. Yeah, that's what
1: happened. Why are you so bitter? bitter it's not wrong team got beat <laughs> last night man they they just got outplayed and outworked by the the clippers doc, doc rivers got this team playing some great basketball right now i saw a tweet someone said man imagine if the clippers
4: had Kawhi leonard and i'm like it'd be over i'm like geez,
1: the clippers are now like a really good destination for free agents Now, I wonder what Kawhi's going to do. I mean, he's had a great season in Toronto. It seems like uh, he's gotten along with everyone up there. Uh, I've heard him on, you know, post games where he sounds, you know, pretty happy. They got a great team. But, you know, you would think a Southern California guy would probably want to come back to Southern California. This July, when all the free agents can jump around, it's going to be really interesting. Everybody has been
4: waiting for this moment to where the Warriors look vulnerable, and if they beat the Clippers, which I think they will, I don't know if they can get past Houston. Houston is is out for blood. They, they are the one team that I feel like has the best shot to beat the Warriors. Boy, I'm not big on Houston. I mean, we were talking about Harden yesterday. It's, it's, a, it's a matchup issue, and the matchup with the Warriors is a bad one. They have nobody in the middle to guard Clint Capella on the pick and roll. James Harden will get you thirty-five. He already hit a game winner against the uh, Warriors this year. If Chris Paul was healthy last year, who knows what would have happened with the with the series that they had? So and and PJ Tucker is he's just a he's a he he's a bully, and that's that's one thing the Warriors
1: aren't good against is bullies. I'm sure tomorrow night the Houston Rockets will, will really enjoy sitting in their own Look homes and being able to watch the. Uh, the game tomorrow night because game six will be at staples tomorrow night even last night even though they got beat how about durant's performance last night 45 points man he was lighting it up it just shows you that
4: when kevin durant has a huge game the warriors are okay they're they're good team but when curry has a huge game they're literally unstoppable did you really call pj tucker a bully he is yeah look at your team draymond yes
1: well, I mean, Draymond's Draymond is a the definition defensive of you know, I'll, a I'll defensive be honest with you. I thought Draymond Green maybe uh, should have been ejected last night. Not only was it an offensive foul, but when he dragged his toe over Patrick Beverly's package, I thought that was a bit much. Nah, it's soft, coach. Huh? That's soft. And then they panned, they pan the crowd, and Tom Izzo, Draymond Green's coach, is in the stands. He's sitting there uh, drinking, uh, I think, a coke or something. He had a nice smile on his face. Hey, I like Let Draymond Green. I, I appreciate his passion, but sometimes he does cross the line a little bit. With what? it's, it's a bit.
4: I hate when people like. It's trash-talking. Like, all these technical fouls that you've given out to players just for talking trash, like, come on, man. It's not not a big deal. Like, let them play. It's,
1: geez. You know the difference with trash-talking now than uh, 30 years ago in the NBA? The players now when they trash talk they're they're too demonstrative. The guys in the old days would trash talk and, and it you know, they wouldn't be shouting it out or making facial gestures or pointing with their hands. They'd just come up and say, Man, you're a punk or whatever. Well it's
4: the referees who are weak minded and they have to call everything and if someone looks at you wrong, it's a technical foul.
1: Well, you know what, you could say that about all sports now. Officials and, and are again a joke. That, that's well, a lot of them are. Uh, in the NBA, they, they, they want to give out technicals. I, I love when they got to go to the monitor for every little oh thing. God. I mean, oh, is this a flagrant one or a flagrant two? Shoot hey, in you're repping the game. Make a call, buddy.
4: Yeah, make a call, stick with it, and don't go to the monitor and try to change it or
1: look at little fine, new details like just – Just let it go. I know. Going to the monitor, I'm just not a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of replay, really, in any sport right now. But, uh, you know, in football, I think it's been pretty good. Uh, Baseball, I think it's a complete disaster. In the NBA, they rely on it too much. Right now, we're going to head out to the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Uh, I hadn't seen this guy in years. Until just recently, and now it's very nice not only to have him on the program uh, today, but also tonight he's going to be part of our draft coverage on our Facebook page, 97.3 The Fan. Longtime NFL wide receiver, former San Diego Charger, Quinn Early joins me on 97.3 The Fan. Quinn, how you doing today?
6: I'm doing great, Coach. Thanks for having me this morning.
1: Hey, you've been uh, looking at film and breaking it down, getting ready for tonight?
6: I have. I have uh, a lot of good, great talent on the board, and uh, this draft should be interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I look at this draft, and, you know, I was saying, just starting at the quarterback spot, and I want to get your thoughts on Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, I think he's a talented guy. I think there's some talented quarterbacks, but, you know, I was telling uh, Jim Russell here in studio yesterday and today, I think if Josh Rosen from uh, UCLA and now the Arizona Cardinals, if he was coming out this year, I think he would be the number one quarterback uh, at the top of the list, Uh, yet now he may end up being a former Arizona Cardinal if they decide to go with Kyler Murray tonight. Yeah, you know,
6: it's really strange how how these things work out. You know, and unfortunately at the quarterback position, you know, there are always high expectations, especially when you're taken, you know, so early in the first round. And unfortunately, um, Rosen didn't have the weapons you know, or the manpower behind him to have a successful season last year. I think if uh, he was to continue to be the QB there, then I think he would do well. And even if he ends up getting traded, um, you know, when they draft, you know, uh, either Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins, whoever they take, I think that Rosen's going to be a successful quarterback in this league. He just needs to be surrounded by the right talent.
1: I want to ask you Quinn a little bit about the wide receiver uh, position. Uh, and again, I know things have changed since you came out of the University of Iowa into the NFL and you had that long uh, career, very successful career and it started out here uh, in San Diego uh, and going to the combine. Did you even go to the combine when you when you came out of Iowa? I did. I went and uh, it was a great experience and
6: um, you know I think it's uh, it's an essential part of the, of the league, you know, some of the, some of the drills I think are a little antiquated, a little bit antiquated, especially at the wide receiver position. Listen, I was kind of weak, you know, don't want to really admit it, but I was weak under the bench press when I was coming out. But how many people at at the wide receiver position are you going to bench press? You know, (laughs) I, I also think that, you know, even things like the 40, I think these tests are good gauges, but when I look at it, you know, things like the 40, the bench press, things like that, they have no bearing on how a player is going to be in the NFL. You know, you look at a Jerry Rice, greatest wide receiver to ever play the game. You know, that guy, I think he ran like a 4'6", four 4'7", four but nobody was catching him during the games, you know. So um I think it's a, a good tool, but I think ultimately, you know, uh, once the player gets into the league, that really determines how he's going to do.
1: Well, Qu- Quinn, answer me this: What advice would you give a wide receiver who gets drafted, whether it's in the first round or the seventh round? What advice would you uh, give them uh, to start their career in the NFL and before they get to their first training camp?
6: What I always tell the younger guys is, you know, you have to have the attitude that, you know, if they keep one wide receiver on this team, it's going to be me. You know, you don't say that to anybody else, but, you, you know, that's your internal dialogue. And then when you step out onto that practice field, every day you say to yourself, I'm going to have the best practice I ever had today. And then if you work with these things in mind, you know, you, that's going to give you a leg up. You just go out there and you work harder than everybody else. And, um, you know, you don't worry about the noise that's around you. You just stay focused and just work extremely hard. So that that would be the advice that I would give these guys.
1: We're uh, visiting with Quinn Early, former long-time NFL wide receiver. Started his career here in San Diego. He was the Chargers third-round draft pick uh, back in 1988 and uh, had well over 400 career receptions in the NFL. He'll be a part of our uh, draft get-together tonight on Facebook, uh, 97.3 the fans' uh, Facebook page. We'll get underway at uh, 5 o'clock. Uh, I know as a former wide receiver, you've probably taken a pretty good look at the wide receiving core for this draft. Uh, your top two or three guys I would definitely have to say Marquise Brown
6: uh, from Oklahoma he had uh, a great year then there's uh, AJ Brown from Mississippi um, you know the kid from Arizona State uh, N.K.L. Harry and then DK uh, DK Metcalf um, also from Mississippi those are some those are some pretty explosive and powerful guys you also have D, uh, Debo Samuel from from South Carolina I mean, so there's there's a good group of wide receivers coming out this year.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I would agree. And Nikhil Harry, the kid out of Arizona State, uh, he's coming out a year early. I know a lot of teams have uh, shown interest in him. And he's also a guy that's actually, I think, returned kicks a little bit uh, in Arizona State. I don't know if that would factor in, uh, you know, going into the NFL with him or not. But he looks to be a, a number one type uh, wide receiver. You know, I, Quinn, I, and we'll find out, I think, more tonight, uh, especially yeah. uh, th- this whole draft. Draft, I think, is at least of all the early part of this draft is going to be dictated on what Arizona does. Do they take Murray? Do they not take Murray? Do they take Quentin Williams, the defensive tackle, out of Alabama? They take Bosa, the kid, out of Ohio State? You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to trade out a number one? Once we figure that out, then that draft may, uh, you know, uh, get to where we kind of think it's going to be.
6: Absolutely. You know, I, I think that. You know, with Kyler Murray, you mentioned earlier on the phone call, you know, kind of an interesting guy. Um, you know, I think the stigma on him is that he's a smaller QB, right? Right. You know, you look at a Drew Brees, um, you know, uh, you look at Seattle's quarterback. I mean, there are guys that are, you know, six foot or under that are extremely good quarterbacks. I think you kind of have to throw that out the window. I mean, the you know, the proof is in the pudding with Murray. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I definitely see the Cardinals taking him. Um, you know, but you never know. Dwayne Haskins, is a good sized guy. You know, I think the 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 knock on him by some people is that he's not as mobile. But I'll tell you, in that league, you don't really have to be that mobile. I think that if you are extremely accurate, you can stand in the pocket, you can make smart decisions, run when you have to. I mean, you look at a Peyton Manning; he wasn't that mobile either. But a uh, Hall of Fame guy, so I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say that that's a very good point. I mean, Peyton Manning was a statue back there.
6: Absolutely, absolutely, and he just got it done year after year. Won some Super Bowls. So it's it, it, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, you also have to always look at defense, right? I mean, that's where you know the money is made. If you can have a an ex, you know extremely outstanding defensive line. Uh, linebacking core that makes your DBs look good you can stop teams from scoring um, that's always an important thing too so like you said you know they might go defense in the first round
1: hey Quinn answer me this and we're visiting with Quinn early the former longtime NFL wide receiver played here in San Diego played in New Orleans Buffalo the New York Jets. Um, the system. You now, everybody talks about the system. I mean, great athletes fit into whatever system, I think. But could you talk a little bit about that? And anywhere in your career, were you in an offensive system that really didn't suit you, maybe your strengths of your game? Yeah, no,
6: absolutely. That's a really good uh, point and question.
1: You know, when you're a
6: skilled position player, it's all about the system and how you're utilized within the system. I'm going to give you a perfect example. LaDainian Tomlinson, Hall of Fame running back, you know, with the Chargers, played a little bit with the Jets. He was a guy who was extremely successful when he had 40, 50 carries a game. Uh, Towards later in his career, had some injuries. Then when he came back, now they're more, the Chargers were more of a passing team. They got rid of the fullback. Now LaDainian Tomlinson is getting you know he had to share with uh, you know Darren Sproles and some other guys. Now he's carrying the ball 15 20 times a game. And then the knock on him was well he's old now and he's not as productive. You see what I mean? So oh, that, yeah. he basically got systemed out. And you know as far as I as far as me when I first I remember when I first got to the New Orleans Saints I was catching 30 32 passes my first couple of years. And then when Jim Everett came and he looked at me and he said, he said, Quinn, don't worry about it. I'm going to, I'm going to get you the ball and the game plans for other guys. But Jim liked me as a receiver. So he started throwing the football at me. Now I went from catching 32 passes a year to catching 80 plus passes a year. And then, you know, oh, wow, Quinn's really improved. Well, throwing, <laughs> you know, they're, they're throwing the ball to me more now, you know? So I definitely think that, um, you know, you, you're in that league for a reason. If the team decides that, okay, this is a guy we have to get involved, get the ball to him, get the ball in his hands. Then players tend to thrive. So system is very important, and it, it can be a killer for some uh, skilled players in that league.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to working with you tonight. It's always good to, to visit with you. And uh, when I saw you here uh, a month or so ago, it was great. It had been a lot of years, and uh, we'll look forward to it tonight. As I let you get out of here, Quinn, Tell the fans out there what Quinn Early's done for the last few years after you got out to the NFL, because I think it's really cool. Oh,
6: man. man. A a lot has happened, actually. So uh, over the past 10 years, I've actually been um, a stuntman in Hollywood. Uh, I've had a chance to double people like Will Smith. I'm currently doubling Shamar Moore on the TV show SWAT, Lawrence Fishburne, just to name a few. And it's, it's just been a really exciting Thing. And then also, my mother wrote this amazing book about our family history. Uh, the book's called Bryant Acres. um She didn't have a chance to publish it. She got Alzheimer's and passed away, so I published it for her. And the money that I raise, I give to Alzheimer's Research. And if anybody's interested in that book, uh, it's bryantacres.com. You can order the book. And the, again, the money goes to Alzheimer's Research and I actually just got a, a movie deal from uh, the screenplay that I wrote based on my mom's book. So a lot of exciting stuff with me. I'm having a lot of fun, and uh, you know things are, things are going well.
1: That's great. Uh, Quinn, I'll look forward to seeing you tonight. Thanks so much uh, this morning for the time.
6: Absolutely, Coach. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you this evening.
1: Alright, there you go. Uh, Quinn Early, a former uh, uh, star in the national football. He had some big years, uh, especially uh, when he got to the New Orleans Saints. Had a he had a 1000 yards receiving year. Yeah, no, he was a really, really good uh, football player. Jimmy, I want to get a comment from you here in a minute, but I want to remind everyone uh, Quinn joined us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. You can nominate SDCCU Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune Reader's Poll daily at sdccu.com slash nominate San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big bank. Banking, it's better. That was Best of Coach. 5 to 9, mornings, right here on 97.3 The Fan.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.